Praise I'd like you to open your Bibles with me in Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12. And I want to begin a new series. Last week, those of you who were here, we shared with you about the parable of the unforgiving servant. And we saw how a person experienced the grace of God, came into what you call salvation-type experience of the grace, the forgiveness, the blessing of God, and then did not stay in that place of grace But by being unloving and judgmental to fellow believers in the house, he shifted himself out of being under the flow of grace and ended in his own life under judgment and demonic torment. And there's a tremendous principle to understand of the need for us to remain in the grace and the life of Jesus Christ. So we're going to do a series in this coming seven weeks called First Principles, or the Foundational Doctrine of Christ. I want us to read in Hebrews chapter 5. Uh, we'll pick it up uh, from verse 7. It's talking about Jesus, who in the days of his flesh, when he lived on the earth, he offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, the Son of God, he learned obedience by the things he suffered And having been made perfect, he became the author or the originator or the the, the one who brings a flow of salvation, eternal salvation to all them who obey him. He is called by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. So Jesus is a high priest with a particular supernatural order called the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have a lot to say but hard to explain since you become dull of hearing. In other words, Paul's saying, Jesus himself was ushered into a priesthood of supernatural life and power. We want to talk to you more about that, but because of your immaturity, you can't handle the truth. That's virtually what he's saying. You're dull of hearing. So now he starts to talk about spiritual immaturity. Now, by this time, you've been Christians for many years. You ought to be teachers. You need someone, again, teaches you the first principles of the doctrine of God. You need milk and not solid food. For everyone who takes milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. He is a babe. And that's not kind of babe, babe. This is a baby, baby. And solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the, the uh, doctrine or the first principles of Christ, let us go on. To perfection means Jesus was made perfect. Jesus grew into that maturity. He's saying we need to get off foundations and move into maturity. Not laying again the foundation. Then he begins to describe the foundation. Repentance from dead works, faith towards God, the doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. What we will do? we will go on to maturity. If God permits, it's possible. God will not permit you to come to the fullness of what you're called to unless the foundations are properly laid. So let's open our heart on this. This story on this, uh, the the key in this uh, particular passage is the challenge of the apostle for us not to remain childish or baby, but to actually grow to maturity. And so this is about the first principles of Christ, the foundation of Christ. It's not just about Jesus Christ and what he's done. It's the foundations for us to become 
what God wants us to become. If these foundations are not laid properly in our lives, we will wrestle, struggle, do the best we can, but never get to where God wants us to get to. This is why this is called foundations. And so there are many things that are basic in the Christian life. So if I asked you what's basic to the Christian life, what would you say? Well, you'd say prayer, read your Bible, come to church, get fellowship. You'd say a whole lot of things. You notice none of them are mentioned there. So this is nothing to do with that. These are the foundations for building. It's about how your life is built and you become all God wants you to become. These must be put in there. These are not just a set of teachings. It's not just I do this, 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 this. It's six steps and now I'm away. It's not that at all. It actually is a foundation. You notice when someone puts a building down, they lay a foundation. You don't see the foundation, but it carries the whole weight of the building. Now, you never remove the foundation. It always remains there, and the stability of the building depends on the foundations being present, being strong, and being able to support what you're building. So what he's saying is this doctrine of Christ or the first principles of Christ is a body of teaching on how to live your life in such a way we can corporately become what God wants us to become. Christian life is never a a single or alone life. It's always lived in community. So it is what you call a living foundation. So each part of this is something to be living inside you. It's something you live out in your daily life. It's not something, I heard that tape, I'll pass it on, This is something that needs to be operative continually in your life if you want to progress. If these any of these areas are not operative in your life, you can't progress. You'll be around a long time, but there's a huge difference between being a 10-year-old Christian and a Christian who's had 10 years' experience, uh, one year's experience 10 times, just repeated the same stuff. So you notice then the first things are, these are the foundations to Christ, the anointed life, the anointed one. And we know there is Jesus Christ, who is the pattern, but it also refers to the body of Christ of which you and I are a part. That's the first thing. Second thing is, it's foundational to your identity and how you do your life with Jesus. It's foundational. The foundational substructure. Notice it calls it the first principles. The the word first means, comes from the word arche, from which we get principality. It's something which is the beginning. This isn't there. You don't go any further. You just keep busy, but you don't go further. Uh, And notice there's first principles. That word principle means a foundation on which or the beginning of something from which everything else springs. Or putting it simply like this, it's your ABCs. You don't learn your ABCs, you remain illiterate. doesn't matter how hard you try, and I'm sure you try real hard, but you experience, if you don't, haven't learned your ABCs, you experience a sequence of failures. You can't put your finger on what's wrong. It's not because you aren't trying. It's the foundations aren't there. Same with losing, learning your times tables. You know, one of the things we had to learn was our times tables. You just had to learn it. If it wasn't learned and it wasn't in you, you could not proceed in maths. You get so far, you try the best. You struggle as much as you can. No matter how good intentioned you are, no matter how much effort you put in, you just don't get anywhere. You just have a sequence of failures. Why? The foundations essential to going forward are just not there. Now, this happens with believers as well. If the foundations are not there, 
the consequence is immaturity. Notice what he says. He said, you are dull of hearing. You're not actually spiritually sensitive to the things God's saying. In fact, the Bible tells us in the last days, people will want to hear teachings that tickles their ears and makes them feel good, not teaching that forms Christ in them. God's plan is not you just get saved and go to heaven. God's plan is that his son and the nature of his son and his loving life is formed in you. So the foundations are absolutely essential. You notice it says that a person who hasn't got the foundations in them, the Bible calls them a babe. That word babe means one who's so young they can't talk properly. A spiritual babe doesn't mean they make, don't make sounds. It's just actually there's not a maturity spiritually around them. And uh, to be a full age means you lack nothing. You've actually been completed in the things God wants to build into your life. Maturity. Maturity has to do with being able to exercise your senses to discern good and evil. So a person who is growing in their Christian life, this is what they can do. They have developed their spiritual sensitivity because their foundations are laid and they can discern good and evil. Now, of course, you'll be thinking straight away, well, I know good and evil. You know, someone gets drunk, that's evil. You know, someone gets sober, that's good. You know, someone steals, that's evil. Someone, uh, uh, you know, they, they give out, that's good. That's very true. All that's true. But that's not what it's referring to here. This is referring to something different to that. What was the name of the tree that Adam and Eve ate from that led them to substitute their relationship with God for something else? It was the tree of good and evil. So you need to compare this with the original. So Paul's referring to that. What did they do? They substituted a relationship, a love relationship with God as a father and provider. They substituted that with knowledge about what is right and wrong. I'll show you exactly the nature of the fall, because if you don't understand what the fall is, you won't understand why this needs to be laid so strongly. So to discern good and evil is very simply this. It's the spiritual capacity to tell what is the motivation of something, whether it flows with the life of the spirit or whether it's just someone putting on a good show, if I put it like that. Is this real and the life of God is in it? Or is there something at the core of this you can tell this is just someone really trying hard? In other words, it's the ability to discern what is religious from what is the flow of the Spirit. Many people come into a meeting, they can't even tell the flow of the Spirit. Many people don't know how to live the life of the Spirit. If you don't know how to live the life of the Spirit, you will be living out of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so God wants us in this coming season to grow inside by putting foundations in us and then learning how to engage, live in, and bring the life of the Holy Spirit into our daily life. But there has to be some foundational things put in. So notice now it describes what the foundation gives an overview, and it describes six of them. Each one of these we could develop a lot, but since it's only a short series, I'll only do a little bit on each one, but there's far more than I will share. First one is repentance from dead works. Notice it didn't say there repentance from sin. Most people, when they read it, read that, repentance from sin. They think that's for a sinner. That's someone who's just come into Jesus. No, this is a foundation to be a believer. It's something you have to live in. Repentance from dead works. We're going to look at that today. Faith towards God. So repentance from dead works is turning away from a life which is, I will do it. It's my way. I'll do this. 
It's out of the will. It's out of the flesh. It actually doesn't have the life of God in it. It's a life lived just out of yourself, trying to do the best you can. And you turn to God. Faith towards God is to turn towards God to receive his love, receive identity in him, receive positioning in him, so you can bring forth good works, living works. So it's not stopping doing things. It's actually repenting from the inner motivation of wrong things. And I'll get this quite specific for you shortly. Third thing is doctrine of baptism, which is about separating your life from worldly value system, a, a, a world system governed by the devil, a life of sin and independence of God, and being a part of uh, connected to God vitally and connected to the body of Christ and flowing in a new life, community life, where you love people and you share your life with people. The third one is the laying on of hands, which is the impartation by people who are anointed, fivefold ministry, elders, into your life to activate and impart giftings to get you up and going, to help you go where you need to go. And that's part of body life. The next one is the resurrection of the dead. Many aspects to it, but we'll just keep it at this level. It's about how to flow in resurrection power. You notice the testimony Graham gave today, the feeling of resurrection power coming into his body caused death to be restrained, and he lived when he should have died. Resurrection power. Finally, eternal judgments, which means uh, a number of things, but one thing it includes is judging the things which are not originated in the Spirit of God, and that brings us back to repentance from dead works. So this is a living foundation. Now, there's a lot in it we can share on many of the different areas, but I'm going to try and keep it down to something that will work in your life, something you can apply in your life. So the first thing then is to, to recognize that this is about setting you up to live and flow in the life of the Spirit to become connected to God and to people and to show what God is like. That's what Jesus came to do, to reveal God, reveal His love, reveal His nature, reveal His power. So it's about walking in a new identity. Now, if you don't get established in who you are in Jesus Christ, what you do is just try hard to be a good Christian, and you'll find it's incredibly frustrating because the power isn't there. So this is foundational. So let's have a look uh, first before we move on. I want you to look just at the fall of man, Genesis chapter 3, and see why repentance from dead works is so necessary. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field the Lord God had made. Serpent is an embodiment, a physical embodiment of, of Satan. And he said to the woman, has God said you shall not eat every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we can eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, which God said, you shall not eat it, you shall not touch it lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. God knows in the day you eat it, your eyes will be opened. You'll be like God. You'll know good and evil. Notice, you will be like God. He didn't tell them that there was a downside to all of that. And so when the woman saw it, was the tree was good for food, was pleasing to the eyes, desirable to make one of eyes. She took the fruit and ate and gave it to her husband with her. Then the eyes of them were opened and they knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together, made coverings. And when they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden, the cool of the day, they hid from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And God said to Adam and Eve and called him and said, where are you? I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Now, before Adam and Eve fell, you have to understand this. They walked in love 
and in unity with God and in love and in unity with one another. That's how it all started. It started with love and connection. God was joined to them. The Spirit of God was joined to them. They were clothed in the glory of God. Whatever they did, they enjoyed absolute peace and security, unbroken fellowship with God. What they chose to do was this. They rejected their father's love. They rejected the love God has. Because if we love him, we'll do what he says. They rejected God's love. They rejected him. They sinned against love and against relationship. Here's something people don't think. We think of sin, you do something bad. Actually, we sin. When we sin, we sin against love. We sin against relationship. Someone is always affected by our sin. And so they rejected the Father's love. Now, what happened as a consequence of this? They lost a number of things. They, the Bible says they fell. What, did they, what does that mean, they fell? Here's what they lost. They lost something they walked in. Here's the first thing they lost. They lost their relationship with their father. In other words, they had no relationship with the father. That left them disconnected from a father without identity, without a father to father them. They had to father themselves. They became spiritual orphans in the world. That's the first thing that happened. They were cut off from the love of God. Now, if you're cut off from the love of God, guess what? You've got to find it somewhere else because you're designed for love. People will always find love and value and identity somewhere. Second thing is they lost their identity. They're no longer a child of God. God's not owning up to them. He's no longer their father. They're separated from their father. Now they have no identity. Now, when a person's got no identity, you know what happens? They feel insecure. They feel threatened. They feel defensive. They feel afraid. They feel ashamed. You know what the question is? Who am I? It's a question people ask everywhere. Who am I? People don't know who they are because they define their identity out of what's around them and who they're connected to rather than what God says we are. So he lost his identity. And the next thing they lost was the supernatural life of God that kept them alive. So eventually they were going to get sick. They're going to grow old and die. So what a tremendous loss, embracing the knowledge of good and evil, letting go their father, their relationship with God as father, their lives were dramatically transformed. So what happened inside them? A number of things happened. First thing you notice is emotional turmoil, fear, grief, guilt, shame, pain, You notice they were so emotionally numbed, God actually had to push them out of the garden. What happened then? Well, then what came into the heart of man is, I need to be someone. And if I need to be someone, how am I going to have to do something to be someone? I want to be someone. I know what. I'll, I'll get a lot of money, then I'll be someone. No matter how much money you get, you're still not someone. Because you're separated from your source, where you came from. Or I know what it is, I get a lot of possessions and I'll get cars and boats and houses and I'll get all these things. So there's an ambition to get more and more things, but people still aren't happy. Why? They still don't know who they are because you're not defined by your money and you're not defined by your possession. Well, I know I need to get a position. I'll work hard and I'll get to the top of this or the top of that or top of the school, top of the community, top of the, the government, or I'll get the top of the church. But all the same, right inside, there's still a desire that can't be quenched because even if you get all those things, it still doesn't give you the answer. Well, then I'll try hard to be accepted and love. I'll really work on my relationships. I'll do all I can. Well, it's still not going to solve the problem. Problem's far deeper than that. Well, I know what. 
I'll work out what's good for me. And so, hence man began to live this way. This is how we define life. If it's good for me, it's good. If it's not good for me, it's not good. That's how far we've fallen. That's how self-centered we are. And so, we come to church. If it's good for me, I like it. If it's not good for me and I don't like it, then I won't accept it. We're living from a totally wrong center. Man became his own center, not God. So this issue of turning from dead works is an issue of shifting your center. So what happens if you become a Christian? When you give your life to Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God comes into you. Now the dilemma is this. You have to leave the old center. You have to leave the old self-centered life. Why do you have to leave that? Because it doesn't work. The Spirit of God and the life of God does not flow through a life that is self-centered. It flows through a life that's yielded and open and in love with God as a father. So what is the, a classic example of this is the prodigal son. Remember the prodigal son left the home and he abandoned the father's love, went out and he got broken. He got attached to all kinds of things. But here's the thing. He repented of his lifestyle, came back, received a gift. He didn't have to do anything. Just he turned, he repented, and the father just shouted love. He embraced him and hugged him, restored him, gave him what he never deserved. That's grace operating. This is the life of God. How did he get it? He just repented. And he could hardly even believe all the things that God had for him when he let go of the substitutes and attached back to his father. But what about the older son? Well, the older son is representative of religious people, people who become religious. What do we mean by religion? Religion is your efforts to get yourself right with God, your efforts to become righteous and better than others. So what was going on in the elder son's life was something like this. He was a hard worker. He tried to live a perfect life. But you know what? You can't be perfect living, trying to live a perfect life because you always blow it somewhere. So he tried so hard, trying so hard to please his father, trying so hard to get approval, so hard to get acceptance, but it's all about him working. And the father said to him, this was always available as a gift to you. You didn't have to do all the work. But he just got working so hard trying to be good. And the result was this happened inside him. He then looked down on the brother and judged him. He despised someone who was less than him. He worked to be superior. He tried to be better than the other. He tried to present himself as being good. But actually it was all his own works, his own rights, his own struggling and driving. He was driven man. He was striving to get acceptance and love and it never came to him. Then when he saw what grace looks like, instead of saying, I want some of that, he refused to repent. In fact, this is what he did. Now you've got to remember this. This is a reference to the Pharisees of Jesus' day who tithed, went to church, did well, kept laws, looked scrupulous on the outside, but it didn't change the heart. They were watching Jesus. You know what they did? They were the ones who complained when they saw grace. Why did they complain when they saw grace? They did not have the foundations of Christ in them. They were religious. It is very easy to become an elder brother, very easy to become religious. And so what they did, they needed to be seen. Why? Because it's no good doing something like praying unless you're seen. Uh, they used to give, they'd be seen. Why? Because no use giving unless someone sees you, because, I mean, that's what it's all about. 
they fast? Well, we've got to let people know we're fasting. And so the whole lifestyle was, what will people think of me? It was governed by the fear of man and pride, which is at its root. This is what religion looks like. Religion can't help people. It doesn't matter how strict the religious life is. It's a life of bondage. Why? Because this is not how the supernatural life comes. That is what you've got to repent of. That is what needs to be removed out of life. What did he end up like? He ended up resentful, judgmental, rejected, critical of his father, critical of his brother, refusing to enter in, and actually quite angry at his father's graciousness. The life of a religious person is in conflict and contention with the life of Christ. Wherever people flow in the life of Christ, there will be contention and arguments and opposition from people who do not have the life of Christ who are in a place of religion and separated from the revelation of God's love. So we see here in that story of the prodigal son, they were totally opposed. The elder brother was totally opposed to the spirit of grace. I tell you what shows up in your heart. What's shown in our heart is when God shows goodness to someone else. Someone else gets the promotion. Someone else gets blessed. Someone else gets something happen good to them. What's in our heart flushes up to the surface. Churches are so struggling with people like the elder brother, thinking if I'm just good enough or I just get this next key, I'll get my breakthrough. If I just fast enough, God will be oppressed and he'll move on my behalf. And so we get into a do, 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 work, strive, struggle, no rest, no peace and no flow of life. Now, this is not what Jesus came to give us. You see, this is the consequence of being out of connection, of out of relationship. So what has Jesus done for us? Let me just give it quickly, and then you'll see what you've got to break free of. This is what Jesus did. It tells us very clearly in Colossians chapter 2, it says, He took away every failure, every fault, the list of everything that's against us, everything that we've failed and everything we could fail in. He removed it, took it to the cross, declared it cancelled, and broke the power of the devil. Every curse you could be under, he took it to the cross. Galatians 3.13, he broke the power of cursings. Why? So you could be blessed. How do you get blessed? Definitely not by working hard. Definitely by not by trying to do something else. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, Now, now... We are seated with him already in a spirit dimension, already in the place of blessing. I hear people pray, God bless me. No, he has already blessed you, it says in Ephesians chapter 1. God has blessed us already with all the blessings. How did you get blessed and where are the blessings and how can I get them? You are blessed with every blessing in heavenly places. It's in the realm of the spirit in union with Christ. The key is this, that when you came and repented of struggling, striving, pain, all kinds of issues, when you turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and trust him, his spirit comes into you. Now, this is what happens. Watch this. You become a new person. You are not someone who has to try to be better. You are already better. You don't have to try to find God as your father 
He already now is your father. You don't have to try to be blessed. You are blessed because of your position and your union. So what Jesus came was to offer us his spirit in us, united with him. We are already in the place of blessing. It's just a matter of flowing in that life so it is released. So now why do I pray? Why? Because I'm already blessed and I want fellowship with my Father to birth His things into the earth. Why do I fast? Why? Not to get something from God, but because I want to be sensitive to my Father so His life can flow unhindered. I can hear clearly from Him. Why do I enter into spiritual warfare? Because my Father has obtained freedom for me now and I will stand in that place of victory, not fighting the devil for the victory, but standing decreeing where I am in Christ, who I am in Christ, what I have in Christ. I will step into that position with faith in my heart. What an amazing thing. We already have acceptance. We have forgiveness. We have redemption. We have all these things. How do we have them? Here's how we have them. Just come over here, Sergeant. Stand beside me. Here's how we have them. They're all in Christ. They're all in Jesus, the anointed one. I must abandon trying to work hard to get it. This is the problem before I become a Christian. Now, when I become a Christian, this is what happens. The Spirit of God comes into me, and I am, 2 Corinthians, it tells us, one Spirit with the Lord. Wherever I go, Spirit of the Lord is there. Now, I don't have to bring anything down from heaven. I'm already in heaven. I don't have to try to make God bless me. I am already blessed. How am I blessed? Well, the blessings come here with Him, with Christ, the Anointed One. The anointing of Christ within me, the presence of Christ within me, His Spirit within me is what brings me into a life of blessing. What I need is not to try and now behave and perform and do more. Try to look good for your sake. Not at all. I need to remain connected here. Because if I separate and I try now to work hard, I come under the law. And if I'm under the law, the grace and anointing doesn't work for me anymore. If you're under law, you have fallen from grace. Grace no longer works and empowers your life. Now you are under guilt, self-centeredness, struggle. You've got to cover up. You've got to pretend you're something you're not. You've got to try hard. And that's where many people end up. But if I stay in Christ and the key to my life on the earth is being in Him, now everywhere I go, Christ is with me. I need to meditate, dwell in, and live out of who I am in Him. I'm a blessed person. I'm a loved person. I'm an accepted person. I'm a redeemed person. I'm a forgiven person in Him, connected to Him. Now, here's where the dead works issue comes up. Dead works are works which flow out of my own efforts and my own struggles to be loved, needed, valued, feel good. Whenever I feel a bit ashamed or blamed, any kind of thing like that, and I start to try and cover up and do good and try harder, then I remove myself from the life of grace. So if I'm going, how do I abide in Christ? How can I get his life to flow through me? How can I live in the flow of blessing? How can I live in the flow of the anointing? Well, I'm glad you asked. Here's 
The first thing you need to do, you need to repent of dead works. That word dead is the word necron, a lifeless corpse, something that's got absolutely no life in it. Dead works. That means of doing things out of guilt, obligation, duty, fear, shame, all kinds of stuff, trying desperately to be loved. You notice, when you do that, you have moved yourself from Christ and you're now self-centered, trying hard. What you need to do is repent. Remains, turn your, switch it off, turn away from it. I'm not going to try to make myself any better. Now, if I will abandon trying to do all that stuff, trying to be noticed, trying to be important, trying to get people to love me, trying to get position in the church, trying to get some kind of title, role, rank, some kind of anointing, some kind of special deal, if I would just stop all that nonsense called dead works and just rest that everything I need in my life right now, where I'm at, is in Christ. I can relax and start to enjoy my life and enter the rest of faith where I can live my life at peace instead of being anxious, worried, stressed, worried about, what will I think? What will I think? What will I think? doesn't matter what they think. It's what he thinks. It's what Christ thinks. It's about being connected to him. So repentance from dead works is the first step in separating from that old self-centered life where it's all up to you and you've got to try harder. Now, you see, what happens when people come into a church, this is what happens, they learn keys and principles. If you'll do one, two, three, four, five, you'll be blessed. I know what I need to do. One, two, three, four, five. But I'm stuck on one. So the other four, I couldn't remember. I wasn't quick enough, didn't get them down. And so what happens is if we don't watch, we move from grace, the undeserved flow of God's life, and end up under the law. Now, how does this really show up? Oh, really? So I'm glad you asked that one too. It shows up in how you relate to other people. It shows up how particularly you relate to the body of Christ. If you realize that all your life is in him, in Christ, then you begin to catch his heart and you realize he's in others as well. And so if I'm going to walk with Jesus, the anointed one, and let his life flow in me, I've got to respect and honor and value those in his body who also carry the same anointing. I've got to learn how to love people. I've got to learn how to value people. I've got to learn how to let his life flow through me. And the first is, the first step is just repenting turning from your dead works, so then you can get into a place of faith. And I'll talk about faith in the next session. For most, faith means also trying hard, trying hard to believe. What they're really saying is, I'm still stuck here in my dead works, trying hard to be a better person, hoping God will do something. Unfortunately, he doesn't do it for me, does it for Ian or someone else like that. Can you understand? It's actually about a divine life flow. A divine life flow. Listen, repentance from dead works has to be established as a way of life. It is one of the, the first foundational key to making it possible for you to engage the life of Christ. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you, thank you, Sergeant, where you're living out of duty, obligation, 
legalism, where you do things out of a wrong motive, a wrong attitude, resentful, guilty, shame-based, fear-based, all that kind of stuff. Ask God to show you where that's it. And why don't you say, God, at the center of that activity, it's all about me and what I get out of it. Lord, I open my heart to the cross to change. It's the cross and what Jesus did. Why don't we just close our eyes today right now. Father, we just thank you for the wonderful grace that is extended to us in Jesus Christ. How amazing is that grace that accepts us, that loves us, that redeems us. Oh, Father, what a great heart of love. It is hard for us who work so hard to to comprehend how much you love us. But we see in the prodigal son who deserved nothing, but when he came with a repentant heart to be reconnected with his father, he didn't have to do any great thing, but you just reached your arms around him and loved him and welcomed him, celebrated him, wept over him, dressed him in fine clothes, restored him to sonship and authority, and he didn't deserve it. Oh, my. We don't deserve grace, but your empowerment to live is what enables us to change. Father, right now in this next few moments, speak into our hearts. Is there any area where we're walking in dead works, self-centered, worried about what people think, looking after ourselves, covering up who we really are, concealing the reality of an inner life that isn't going so well, desperately trying to look good, struggling with guilt and shame, all these things. Lord, today, show us so we can repent and turn from them. Father, Father, thank you for your love. I wonder today, is there any person here who's never made the first step of a changed life which is to receive Jesus Christ. Perhaps you're just watching it on television and you're sitting out there today and as you watch, you can feel the love of God just touching you. You can feel the Spirit of God moving around your heart. God is reaching out to you to bring you back to Himself. You're a child without Father God and He wants to bring you back into His family. The answer to that is found very simply. Jesus said, whoever received Him, whoever believed on him, who ever opened their life to make him welcome, he gave the right and privilege to become a child of God. It's something happens in a moment when you receive Christ, the Spirit of God enters your heart. I'd love you to pray with me right now this simple prayer, a prayer to change your heart and change your life. Wherever you're watching today, why don't you just close your eyes right now and right through this congregation, if you can just close your eyes. I'd like you to follow me this prayer. Father in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Today I turn away from sin and dead works, struggling to be good enough. I turn to you, the living God. Jesus, I receive you into my heart and life. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to be my Savior. By faith today, I receive you as my Savior. 
I give my life to you. And I thank you for your spirit coming into my heart right now, making me clean, making me different. Today, Lord Jesus Christ, I belong to you. Amen. I wonder if anyone else here today, and God was speaking to you about dead works, about areas that you need to say, well, I need to quit it because it was a wrong motivation at the beginning, or I need to change my heart attitude in it. If God spoke to you some way uh, in this area today, why don't you just raise your hand and say, man, that's me. I've been striving, struggling, and all kinds of things. God bless. Father, I just thank you for those who have responded today. Father, as they embrace repentance from those dead works, turning from them and all hope that life would be found in them, all hope that identity could be found, all hope that real love would be found in the approval of people. Father, I pray that they would discover the real love and the real grace and favor that comes out of being united and joined to you. Lord, we thank you. We are loved. And so we receive that today. Amen. Amen. 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 Receive that today. Amen.